Power and Paradox by the Kinky Pet, Chapter 27. Summary. Let's try this again, hopefully fix the formatting. Chapter dedicated to No Man, That Which Yields, and Phage with Thanks for Handholding and Encouragement, Smiley Face. Notes. So, Tony and I may have gotten a bit carried away by our love of TOS Star Trek and Nichelle Knowles. Please forgive us. Smiley face. Sorry about the horrible formatting glitch. I have no idea how that happened, but apparently trying lots of different online RTF to HTML converters eventually produced one that worked around whatever glitch was in my Word file. Baffled and really frustrated, but at least it's fixed. Thanks to Michelle for the very sweet heads up. Tony arrived in the common room just a few moments before Rogers. Cap's hair was still wet, and he was wearing a navy blue t-shirt and matching pair of sweatpants. It sort of made Tony wish he'd opted for sweats instead of jeans. But what if Rogers had shown up in khakis and a button-down or something? Beer? Tony called from the fridge. Rogers hesitated a moment before nodding. Thank you. Tony rummaged around looking for the Sam Adams he knew was Cap's favorite. Yeah, even his beer preferences were patriotic. Thank you for inviting me to join you, Cap said as Tony handed him a beer. So what's this we're watching? Star Trek, Tony said, but it was probably a manic gleam in his eye. He helped himself to a Sing Tao. It's amazing, you'll love it, and that's mandatory. Tony checked his phone. Food should arrive soon. Just kidding, Tony added, but seriously, you'll love it. This is groundbreaking American television. How so? Rogers asked, with no hint of skepticism, just frank curiosity. Star Trek tried to imagine a future of equality. It did so imperfectly, but took some steps in the right direction against racism and orientationism. Tony took a sip of beer, then elaborated. Michelle Nichols, Officer Ahura, communications expert, and sub, was the only black woman on television back then who didn't play a maid. And when she was younger, she sang with Duke Ellington, and then after Star Trek, she was a NASA recruiter, inspiring subs and minorities to join the space program and become astronauts. Really amazing woman. Gosh, Roger said, nodding. That is really impressive. And George Takai, Tony grinned, and perched on a bar stool. He's Sulu, a Japanese-American sub, pilot, and officer. And Takai's a sub in real life, too, not just on screen, so Sulu's the first male sub actually played by a male sub instead of a dumb putting on a fake tenor. Sulu's the only one on TV who wasn't a secretary. Tony took another sip of beer, then added, Or a hooker. Cap made a pained face. Shit, I meant to get his mind off the crap online, not remind him. Tony rushed on. Anyway, it's about this amazing crew exploring space together and making all sorts of discoveries and stuff, and I had a diverse cast unlike anything in the 60s. Tony rolled his eyes. Who am I kidding? I had a more diverse cast than lots of TVs and movies now. Rogers took a seat across from him and rested his elbows on the counter, leaning forward a little. Pepper would call it active listening. The episodes were all written by different sci-fi writers, Tony continued, so sometimes it's awesome and progressive and smart, but sometimes it's brainless offensive bullshit. Tony shrugged and took another sip of beer. Overall, awesome, though, and don't worry, I'm picking the good ones for you. I know it forwards and back. Cap looked kind of amused. You must have watched it a lot, then. Yeah, Tony smiled and looked away, a little wistful. It was my mom's favorite show, he said quietly. Had he ever told anyone that before? He couldn't remember. Tony still had the elegantly framed photo of her with Michelle Nichols at a fundraiser, the one she'd kept at her writing desk. It was tucked away in the workshop where he could find it easily, but not out in plain sight. Tony's phone pinged. He hopped down from the bar stool and headed for the elevator. Food's here, he called over his shoulder. As Tony waited, he wondered who Park Chop Sui would send this late on a whatever day of the week it was. Jonathan Ewan usually just sent his son. The elevator doors opened on a gangly 19-year-old in a battered hoodie, valiantly trying, and failing, to grow a mustache and carrying two gigantic bags of takeout. Hey, Tony, the kid said. Hey, Tony, Tony answered back with a little smirk. So, have you been practicing? Tony Ewan asked, making no move to hand over the delivery bags. 
Yeah, sure, Tony said with a shrug, holding out his hands. But I can't possibly remember it when I'm weak from hunger. Gimme, gimme. Dude, it was your idea. We had a deal. Fine, Tony said with a pout. Hang on. He frowned with concentration, then said carefully, Jie jie, huan yi ganglin. Ni lao woman gandao muda de rongjing. Woman dao yingai gandao rongjing. Tony Y answered with an approving nod. Uh, Tony fumbled, then replied, Ni tai kegeli? Tony Y shook his head and corrected, Kegili. Damn, Tony frowned, then asked, But I'm still getting better, right? Uh, Tony Y hesitated. No offense, man, but Mandarin's really not your area. I mean, my accent's still not perfect? He rolled his eyes, then corrected. Or as Grandpa says, he made a grim frowning face and imitated in a deep voice. Very bad. Very disappointing. Tony Y shrugged. But wow, your accent's like, really bad. Thanks. Hey, don't spare my feelings or anything, Tony said ruefully. My advice? Always have a translator. He held up the bags. Now where do you want them? Oh, my shitty accent is still good enough I get my order. Tony Y just rolled his eyes and entered the penthouse. Fucking heavy. Why the double order? Hosting a bacchanal. He took a few steps towards the kitchen, then blurted. Holy shit, Captain America! Then murmured. Oh man, my girlfriend is going to be so jealous. He set the bags on the counter and mustered his composure. Hello, I'm Tony. Tony Ewan, he said, holding out his hand. It's an honor to meet you, Captain. Steve, please, Cap said with a warm smile. Nice to meet you, too. Tony started unpacking the bags, looking for the spring rolls first. Tony Y was still looking a little starstruck. Tony snorted and joked, Hey, you know, I'm a superhero too, right, Iron Man? <sighs> I'm used to you, Tony Y said, and Tony Stark found himself oddly delighted by that. Anyway, Tony Y said, turning to the elevator, I should leave you to your 2 a.m. dinner or whatever. It was nice meeting you, Cap- Uh, Steve? Hey, Tony cried. I don't get another phrase? You can barely say what you have now, he protested. But at Tony's pout, he gave in. Fine, he grinned. Here, something you shouldn't have any trouble with. Try Gangtia Zia Zui Bang Li. Gangtia Zia Zui Bang Li, Tony repeated slowly. What did I just say? Iron Man rocks. Tony laughed. Jarvis, did you record that? I'm definitely practicing that one. Yes, sir, uh, Jarvis said, tone a bit disapproving. Have a good night, Tony Y called from the elevator. Later, Tony answered. Drive safe, Rogers called. Have a good night. After the elevator doors closed, Rogers turned to Tony with a little smile. He seemed like a nice kid. Tony? Yeah, I've known him for years. He started delivering for his dad's restaurants as soon as he turned 16. He's one of the only people Jonathan, the owner and head chef, trusts to deliver here. Tony shook his head. So, I said in an interview once that Park Chop Suey's my favorite delivery joint, which was good for Jonathan's business, but apparently also meant a bunch of crazy tried to get jobs there so they could get into Stark Tower. But Jonathan took care of it, and vets all his drivers very carefully. Tony shrugged. Anyhow, yeah, Tony's a good kid. Tony rooted around in the delivery bags. So, we've got a bit of everything. Spring rolls, chow mein, garlic dried green beans with pork, pot stickers, onion pancakes, beef and broccoli, you name it. I probably ordered it. Twice. Tony carried the bags over to the coffee table. Come on, he called. We're eating from the cartons. It's tradition. And grab me another sing tao, would you? Rogers brought him spear and settled next to him on the couch, leaving his usual 18-inch buffer zone between them. Tony handed him some chopsticks. Rogers frowned. If I go get a fork, are you going to make fun of me? Hey, would I do that? Cap gave him an incredulous look. Tony coughed. Yeah, okay, fine. I see why you might think that, but no, I won't make fun. He hesitated a moment, then said. Or I could show you how, if you want. Okay, Cap said with a smile. 
I'd like that. Then he added a little ruefully, though I may still need a fork. Here, Tony said, taking his chopsticks and demonstrating. Hold this one like you'd hold a pen, then slide the other one here, like so. It stays stationary, and you move the top chopsticks like this, see? Like this? Rogers asked, showing Tony his grip. Yeah, just move that one more like this, and yeah, there! Tony held out the open carton of beef and broccoli. Now grasp between the two and there. See? Not bad for a newbie. Rogers smiled awkwardly around a big bite of broccoli. Hey Jarvis, start us on the naked time, would you? Of course, sir. Suddenly nervous, Tony turned to Cap and said, Oh, by the way, it's pretty slow pace sometimes, and the special effects are really bad, but bad can't be not bad bad, just so you know. Cap gave him an amused look and said, perhaps a little ruefully, You do realize that I remember when moving pictures got sound, right? As in talkies? Tony laughed. Yeah, okay, the special effects are awesome, and has sound, and was shot in color! Rogers chuckled and waved his hand. Yeah, yeah, go on, he grumbled good-naturedly. Here, Tony said. Have one of these spring rolls soon. They're great hot, kind of good lukewarm, and nasty cold. And I love them, so if you don't have one now, you won't get a chance. Okay, Rogers said. Thanks. He carefully reached into the bag with his chopsticks. Tony used his fingers for these, but hated to discourage the guy. It took Rogers a couple tries, but he got it. The food's delicious, Cap said quietly. Thank you, and thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate that you- Sure, no problem! Tony cut in, uneasy with Cap's halt and gratitude. Hey, quiet, it's starting! Cap loved Star Trek. Of course he did, because Star Trek is awesome, and Tony managed to, mostly, restrain his editorializing and remembered always to pause before speaking. Cap hated it when people talked over the dialogue. Oh yeah, so early on Bones says some kind of racist shit like that to Spock, which sucks, but he gets over it as the show goes on, and he's never racist to Uhura or Sulu or anything. Just don't hate him forever, okay? Anyway, uh, sorry I stopped it. So Spock's actually biracial. I mean, Leonard Nimoy is Jewish, but the character is half Vulcan and half human, and this episode actually aired before Loving vs. Virginia. Oh shit, do you know about- Oh right. Sure, of course you read about it. Uh, sorry I stopped it again. I always like that moment, that when Kirk's being kind of a jerk, Uhura's willing to push back. She doesn't just cringe, er, yeah, sorry, I'll stop, really? At first, Caput seemed awkward about eating from the same containers, but Tony had no qualms about leaning over to dig his chopsticks into whatever Cap happened to be holding if he wanted it. Because stealing your food is a universal sign of friendship. Worked with Rhodey, right? Although Cap clearly preferred to just trade cartons and lean over and fish around on whatever Tony was holding, he'd do it if Tony held out the cart and encouraged him to try something. So Star Trek was officially swell, and Cap wanted to watch another episode, if Mr. Stark could spare the time and wasn't too tired. Please, who needs sleep when there's Star Trek and Chinese food? Tony lined up three more episodes. They drank beer and demolished their chow mein and pot stickers. Cap got more confident with chopsticks. Tony editorialized and Cap started asking questions. It was fun, really it was, but in the back of Tony's mind there was this insistent little voice chastising him, and there was this guilty little knot in his stomach that wouldn't go away, even when plied with beer and pot stickers. After the second episode, he'd wanted to say something, but failed, unable to find the words. So during the third episode, Tony was unusually quiet as he thought things through. Hey, Cap, so I was thinking. So the thing is, Cap, Steve, remember when we first met? Well, I wasn't really... I should have done this sooner, but better late than never, right? So... Tony pretty much missed Lost Flight, because he was so lost in his own thoughts, but by the time the end credits were rolling, he decided not to worry about the perfect words and just say what needed to be said, content over style. Tony turned down the volume and kept his eyes fixed on the TV as he said, fidgeting a little. So I was thinking, Cap, we're teammates, and like you said, well, now we're friends. So you should probably call me Tony, yeah? Nothing. Silence. Tony frowned. Cap? 
Rogers had slumped over into the corner of the couch and was sound asleep, breathing deeply with his mouth slightly open. Tony snorted. Figures. Tony shook his head. God damn it, gonna have to try again. Tony gathered the leftovers quietly and put them in the fridge, then came back for their empty bottles. He paused. Captain America was always beautiful, but asleep like that, Rogers was kind of adorable too, and he looked so young. How old was Rogers anyway? Cap shivered. Tony only hesitated a moment before pulling Bruce's big fuzzy afghan off the armchair. Moving slowly, Tony spread the blanket over him very cautiously. Cap twitched and frowned a little in his sleep, but didn't wake up. Tony placed their bottles very carefully in the recycling and went up to bed, just as the sky began to turn to light. Orientation 244. Articulating Difference, Orientation, Gender, and Language. Cross-listed as Linguistics 232, History 299, Anthro 297, and Lit 204. This year-long interdisciplinary course brings together the methodologies of linguistic, literary, and historical study to examine the shifting language of orientation. In over 4,000 languages, including Hebrew, Arabic, Latin, Mandarin, and Hindi, the words for man and dominant, woman and submissive were the same or used interchangeably until the 18th century. As non-orientationally normative individuals, known derogatorily for centuries in English as the inverted, gained recognition, many languages have shifted to accommodate a desire for greater linguistic specificity. In gendered languages, like French, for example, this was achieved within pre-existing grammatical structures with relative ease. Dominant te and sumi a. English, in contrast, has not yet formalized a comparable system for simultaneously relating gender and orientation. Shifts in language at once reflect and enable societal change. In this course, we will examine these historical linguistic developments within their broader social contexts and engage with the larger question that these changes generate, including but not limited, where and how have shifts from gender designations to oriented designations occurred. In languages where there is no double signifier, how does vocabulary use vary by context? How is the shift from gender, with its emphasis on physical sex and genitalia, to orientation, with its more subtle physical differentiation and its increased emphasis on the psychological and interpersonal, engaged with emerging conceptions of individualism, subjectivity, and interiority? How and where has this linguistic change been a gesture of inclusion, inviting the so-called inverted into their orientation group, and how exclusion, separating the orientationally other from their gender group? In the second semester, we will place these social, historical, and linguistic studies in dialogue with a broad range of more belletristic literary texts, including excerpts from Shakespeare, Moliere, Levi, Al-Mutanabi, Bertram Seth, Langston Hughes, and Margaret Atwood. For more information, contact Professor Ellis, Baskar, or Thompson. Notes. Hope you liked it. Sorry short chapter was short, but I hated to make you wait. I'm sorry for the terrible glitch in formatting earlier. Thank you all for your extreme kindness and generosity. I'm honored to share the story with you. Many thanks to Aries Taurus, Karzla, Moonlight Lampshade, and Charmeandering for translation help. All continuing errors are my own. In the mantra above, Tony is trying to practice phrases he might use on a business trip. It goes roughly like this. Tony S. Thank you. Welcome to this place. Your coming causes us to feel great honor. Tony Y. We should be the ones to feel honored. Tony S. You are too kind, but mispronounced. Tony Y. Corrects his pronunciation. Smiley face. Updated author's note. July 24th, 2014. Sorry for the delay on the next chapter. I've been struggling with work and a big deadline coming up, and now out of the country for an ill-timed vacation where internet is very spotty, and the next chapter is proving a challenge. All in all, sorry for the slow progress. All is well, story not abandoned, and I should be back with you in early August. Sorry, and thanks for your patience. This is Zanship. I deeply apologize for the Chinese, because the Mandarin was not going to happen. Look, it's fine. It got, it got across. I'm sorry to any Mandarin speakers. It's fine.